Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. And today uh, we're going to be talking about uh, what have we learned about this New Orleans Saints team after the first five games. But thank you so much for waking up with the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, We're doing this show uh, on a Friday morning. I want to give a special shout out to RP3 and company, uh, 103.7 The Game. Uh, I just uh, finished up with them. Uh, that uh, interview is going to be coming out really, really soon. Uh, so for those that didn't check it out on 103.7 The Game, uh, you know, I, I have that out for you really, really soon. So shouts out to RP3 and company. And, uh, you know, just always excited to be a part of that show. But let's go ahead and talk about the New Orleans Saints and what have we learned uh, after the first five games of the season, um, the New Orleans Saints uh, go into the bye week at three and two. And I think this is a record that we all hoped, uh, especially all things considered with this team, they would be at at this particular time. Uh, all the injuries that the Saints have endured throughout uh, the first five games uh, from, you know, Michael Thomas, uh, you know, Traquan Smith, Eric McCoy. Uh, Teron Armstead, Armstead, Marcus Davenport. The New Orleans Saints have been uh, dealing with a whole bunch of injuries. Uh, I think the first thing that we can say that we learned about the New Orleans Saints after five games is that this is a very resilient team. And also, this is a very well-coached team. You know, so many people, you know, talk about the New Orleans Saints offensively, them leaving a lot to be desired, and they're not putting up enough points, uh, them really – you know, putting a lot of pressure on the defense. You know, I I look at this team as, you know, a, a team that is doing the best with what they have. You know, I, I think that people look at the New Orleans Saints and they look at these players and they think, oh, all of a sudden, like, you got these collection of players, all of them are supposed to be all world. But that's not how things work. You know, you, you can't expect all these guys to give you the same type of production as you would an elite player at that position. But I do feel like with all things considered, the New Orleans Saints have weathered the storm. Uh, also, uh, I see people talking about uh, the Saints uh, defense. Uh, you know, the offense is really putting a lot of pressure on the defense. You know, me personally, I don't feel sorry for the defense. I'm being honest. I don't feel sorry for the defense because if you've been looking at the New Orleans Saints for God knows how long, you watch this offense carry this defense year after year after year. And I just don't understand what people have been watching over the last 10 years where the offense led by Drew Brees was carrying this team when this defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. But now you're looking at this defense and you're expecting more out of it. I have no problem with that because – I just feel like turnabout is fair game. Uh, Offensively, uh, looking at Jameis Winston as a quarterback, some people say that he hasn't played well. Some people say that he played pretty good. He has 12 touchdowns, only three interceptions, 13 total touchdowns if you count the run-in against Carolina. I look at Jameis Winston uh, as a guy who is doing uh, the best he possibly can with what he has. Uh, I think that people aren't looking at uh, you know, he has Marquez Callaway, who's an undrafted free agent. Uh, you're looking at people like Lil Jordan Humphreys, who's an undrafted free agent. Uh, you're looking at Deontay Harris, who's an undrafted free agent. You're looking at Juwan Johnson, who's an undrafted free agent. You got all of these different guys, for the exception of Alvin Kamara uh, and Adam Troutman uh, offensively. 
You know, these these are the guys <laughs> that the Saints are, are really counting on. You know, those are the only two guys offensively that have been drafted. I don't think people are looking at it that way, right? Because we look at the New Orleans Saints being those guys who can find diamonds in the rough. They are the guys that can find the, the, the players that nobody else is looking for. So I think if you're looking at it from that particular standpoint, Jameis Winston is doing an outstanding job. You don't have your number one or your number two receiver, and you've been dealing with offensive line issues throughout uh, the entire season, you know, guys being in and out. So that's the way that I look at it. Also, uh, when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, the defensive line uh, has been playing uh, like trash, okay? I I just got to call it for what it is. They're not getting pressure on the quarterbacks, and that's something that is extremely alarming to me. And um, I'm I'm looking up the – I'm looking right now, I'm looking at the schedule. You know, I'm looking at some of these teams that the New Orleans Saints are going to have to play. And these guys have some really good quarterbacks here. You know, when I look at them going up against the Buccaneers, you know, you got Tom Brady. You're going to have to be able to put pressure on Tom Brady. You look at uh, them going up against the Buffalo Bills. You got to be able to put pressure on Josh Allen. He can throw the ball over your head. Dak Prescott is playing at an elite level. You know, you got all these different teams that you're going to have to play that have really good above average borderline elite quarterback play, you're going to have to get these quarterbacks off their spot if you're going to win this football game. Now, defensively, the Saints have really been doing a really good job in the secondary, and I know some people are talking about Paulson the Debo against the Giants. They'll probably bring that up. Oh, Paulson the Debo, he didn't play well. But I I look at it this way. The defense, you know what I'm saying, it's like a well-doored machine, right? You know what I'm saying? If 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 the if the defensive line is not getting pressure on a quarterback, you are really putting your secondary behind an eight ball because if they're if they're stopping a wide receiver and they're knocking him off his route, if the defensive line is not getting there and getting the quarterback off his spot, those wide receivers can break off their route, and now you're playing chicken run. You know what I'm saying with the wide receiver, and you know I think a lot of times we get mad at these cornerbacks because you know they're not you know, holding down, you know, holding down their wide receiver for five or six seconds. That's 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 kind of hard for a, a cornerback to do. And, you know, I just think that the defensive line, they got to be able to get pressure on a quarterback. And I don't know if it's because Marcus Davenport isn't here. You know, I just think that it's kind of crazy for us to look at Marcus Davenport. We talked about how Marcus Davenport uh, was a bust. Some of us, some people are talking about how the Saints wasted a first round draft pick on him. Now, all of a sudden, he's the answer to everybody's problem just because he had one sack against the Green Bay Packers. And I'm not saying that Marcus Davenport can't be a solution. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is it's amazing to me how when things go bad, all of a sudden, like we start digging in a crate <laughs> and, you know, and all of a sudden Marcus Davenport names come, comes up because the last time I checked, people were talking about how bad and how much of a bust that he is. But my have times that changed. But you also have David Ayamada coming back, you know, as an interior lineman. I think that he is going to really be able to step it up. And I also think that the Saints are going to, uh, in some cases, put him on the outside. I noticed that, uh, you know, in preseason, they were using David Ayamada on the inside as well as the outside. But look, the New Orleans Saints are going to have to get more production out of some of these other players. You know, Peyton Turner had a couple good games. Uh, you know, Tano Passanio had a couple good games. And, you know, Cam Jordan, you know, a lot of people are expecting certain things from him. So the defensive line is definitely going to have to step up if the New Orleans Saints are going to have to is are going to make a run out of this. They're going to have to step it up. 
because the way that the defensive line is playing right now, the Saints aren't going to be able to uh, win some of these games if they're going up against elite uh, quarterbacks. Okay, I mean they've you know they've been going up against some of these uh, mediocre quarterbacks. You know, even Daniel Jones had them out there looking like like they were suspect, four hundred yards passing. And Daniel Jones, I mean, I, I don't think anybody would mistake him as an elite quarterback. Even Taylor Heineke uh, had his moments. So the New Orleans Saints are going to have to step it up on the defensive line. They're going to have to learn how to get some pressure on the quarterback. And hopefully these this bye week, uh, they're, they're getting guys healthier and they're trying to find better ways to get pressure on the quarterback because that is going to be an issue down the line when you start playing elite competition. All right, but I want to say thank you all for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. I'm going to hit, I'm going to go ahead and read uh, some of your questions that you have here. Also, I want to let everybody know why I'm um, looking at this list uh, tonight uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. I'll be a guest on uh, Big Q's uh, podcast, uh, Sports Coma. Um, so, shouts out to Big Q for inviting me back on the show. So, I'll be on there at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern, uh, 6 p. Uh, 6 p.m. Central. Let's go. Mighty Mouse says, facts, uh, they should keep up with the passing game. I, I agree with that. I agree. They they have to they have to keep up with it. You know, they, they got to keep up, uh, you know, if we're talking about the secondary, you know, they, they got to be able to keep up uh, with these wide receivers for an extended amount of time. And that's, that's hard to ask any cornerback, no matter if you're Jalen Ramsey or you're at the bottom of the barrel at cornerback position. Uh, I was disappointed in them Eagles, too. They had opportunities to win. Well, look, that's that happens when you not you don't have really good coaching. I mean, when you have a running back and Curtis Samuels, well, not Curtis Samuels, uh, I can't think of his first name, but Samuels, uh, when you have a, a running back like him who can actually, you know, run between the tackles and you're not utilizing him, and you want to throw the football all over the place, you know, I mean, I don't know, man. The, the Eagles to me are looking a tad bit sabotagey. I don't know if somebody has something out against Jalen Hurts. And they're not trying to put him in the best position to win. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know what Howard Roseman and all them boys are thinking here. But at the same time, uh, it just seems like to me that you're not really putting together a game plan that is beneficial and helpful to Jalen Hurts. And if you're going to do that, then, you know, you're going to have to utilize the running game. Because Samuels is a really good running back, but they just don't utilize this guy the way that they should. So I don't know if it's bad coaching. I don't know what the heck is going on. All I know is um, last year, uh, Jalen Hurts in week 17 was uh, pulled out of the game, you know, for another quarterback. And now this year it just seems like, you know, they want him to throw the ball all over the place. I don't know if it's for them to, uh, you know, for the fan base to turn their back on them because we know the Philadelphia Eagles team, uh, you know, and fans are, you know, they, they're very, very fickle. They're, they're very impatient. So maybe they feel like you put the ball in the air so many times. Maybe, you know what I'm saying, it'll make the fans turn their back on them and they'll just look for somebody else to be the quarterback because they'll say, oh, man, he's not the answer. But they're definitely not putting this guy in the right position to succeed, in my opinion, based on what I've seen. Exactly, TJ. The offense has been balling the defense um, out for years. Now it's time for the defense uh, and Dennis Allen to earn their keys. I absolutely agree with that. You know, people talking about feeling sorry for the defense, man. I don't feel sorry for them, them boys at all, okay, at all, all right? I, I don't understand how people are like, oh, poor defense, oh, poor defense. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man, give me a break. This defense has been uh, sorry for years, man, and now we have a formidable defense that can 
bail out the offense. I just think, once again, turnabout is fair play. You know, it's about time that they become the catalyst for the team. Don't y'all think so? You know, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of happy in this, in this, in this, in this respect because it, it tells me that whenever the offense fixes its issues, the defense should be able to fix theirs. But we'll see. Kim says people don't like to give reasons behind the why. They just say, oh, the Saints are such and such without reasonable explanation. Well, that's when um, you have something called narratives, Kim. You know, when you have narratives and you keep them going, that's what people expect. That's what people look for uh, in a team. You know, when, you know, for years, as the Saints start to transition uh, to being a team that can win outside of Drew Brees, the narrative continuously was Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Okay, even though the Saints were getting better defensively, uh, they had better players, uh, they had playmakers, this still was Sean Payton, Drew Brees. Okay, and then when uh, Drew Brees went down the first couple of years, uh, well, the last couple of years, people were like, oh, the Saints are doomed because they didn't see uh, the progress that the New Orleans Saints team was making collectively uh, to be able to weather the storm that, you know, that now that Drew Brees was out. So it's about narratives, man. And it's also like lazy commentary as well. You know, it's almost like, you know, you can always dig into the crates. It's, it's almost like, um, you know, like if you ever had a book report or whatever, right? And teacher tell you to get up there and talk about the book, right? And let's just say the book was, you know, the book had a movie, right? So you're up there talking, you didn't read the book, but you saw the movie. So all of a sudden you're using the cliff notes and, and what you remember from the movie. That's kind of like what it was, even though, uh, the book probably tells you a lot of a lot more than what the movie actually uh, does. So it's kind of like that situation. You're not really uh, going into detail about everything that has transpired. You're basically just focusing on, you know, the main points, you know, what I'm saying or what you've seen. So I just think that's the way that a lot of these journalists, a lot of these media people look at the New Orleans Saints. You know, Drew Brees isn't there. So Drew Brees made the Saints better. So since he's not there anymore, the team is not going to be good. It's kind of like that. Right. So. Uh, Derek says, I was just saying, where did our D-line go? I, I don't know where they went, but we need to find them. Um, the Saints are going to be in trouble if they can't get pressure on a quarterback because the quarterback, uh, um, the quarterbacks are going to get better. Uh, the quarterbacks are uh, are going to become more and more elite as they play them. And, uh, you know, and you got to be able to put pressure on these guys. Uh, I'm sick of Tom Brady. Seriously. Well, look, man, Tom Brady is a really good quarterback. I mean, look, we can talk about, you know, people, you know, with the referees and favoritism and how much he's throwing into people's faces. But look, man, the guy has seven Super Bowls. The guy legitimized the franchise in the, in the New England Patriots, and he's taking a snake bitten franchise and he's making them credible. And he's uh, gotten some guys that can come there that can help those guys be beneficial. So I, I look at it this way, man. Look, they're winning football games, right? And and they are number one in the NFC South. So, I mean, somebody's going to have to knock them off. The best way for us to, you know, you know, stop talking about them is to knock them out. So if the Saints can do that or if Carolina can do it or Atlanta can do it, then, you know, then so be it. But, I mean, he deserves to get talked about. I, I hate to say it like that, but it's true. I mean, the guy's arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. So, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, it was a graph uh, why they aren't uh, getting pressure right now. That changed with Davenport and Big O uh, gets back, and both will be back by those games. Well, yeah, um, 
I think Ayamada comes back, I want to say, the the following week after they play Seattle. And I think uh, Davenport is eligible to come back when they play Seattle. So we'll see. Brady continues to beat the eyes. He's playing until he's 60. Like I said, I ain't got no problem with Tom Brady. You know, and, and I mean, the only thing is, I just feel like we're experiencing what other teams in the NFC South have experienced when we had Drew Brees, right? I mean, we knew that Drew Brees was the best quarterback in the NFC South. And you had, like, teams like Carolina and teams like Atlanta and teams like Tampa at the time. You know, they didn't have the quarterbacks that can you know, go toe-to-toe with our quarterback. So imagine how they felt all those years when Drew Brees was, you know what I'm saying, orchestrating comebacks and, you know what I'm saying, putting guys in positions to be wide open. So I think that we're just experiencing that, right? You know, we don't – even though we like Jameis, you know, well, some of us do. Uh, some of us like Jameis, you know – we are not going to put him on the same scale as a Tom Brady, right? Or even with Drew Brees when it comes to orchestrating comebacks. You know, we don't have that same level of confidence in in Jameis than we had with uh, with Drew Brees that he developed over the course of time. So what we're experiencing right now as Saints fans is what Tampa fans, Carolina, and Atlanta fans felt for years when we had Drew Brees, the most constant thing in the NFC South at that particular time. So I'm not going to – Get upset now that turnabout is fair play. Look, Tom Brady is here in the NFC South, and he has the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, believing that they can win every single game. So it's up to the Saints and other teams to try to knock these guys off. So we can talk about them all day and complain about them all night, but nothing is going to happen until we, you know, somebody knocks them off that, that pedestal. You know, they are the Super Bowl champions, and they only lost like one game since week nine of last year. So – that's pretty doggone good, man. Them zebras like always help the Suckaneers win a game. Uh, they the opposite with us. Well, look, I'm you know I, I get it, I get it, Jerry. You know about these referees, but all I can say is, man, stop putting it into the hands of the referees. You know that that's what I, I that's what I'm on, right? You know, what I'm saying when you got these nip tuck games and we looking for the referees to do the right thing, nah, man. What happened when we had opportunities to execute? What happens when we get <clears throat> we get turnovers and they turn into field goals? What happens when we get turnovers and we have to punt the ball? I mean, we got to look at situations like that. We got to stop putting the, we got to stop putting the ball into the hands of the referees. And you know, since 2018, I think it, it pretty much has proven to us that the referees don't have our best interests at heart. I mean, it's just as simple as that. Like we seen that the referees and what they did in that NFC championship game. So for us to think that the things are going to change because, you know, we're told, you know, we're beating the drum and talking about the referees, nothing is going to change. It's not, you know what I'm saying? So the best way for you to do that is to overcome the, the obstacles that, that are in your way. And, you know, I don't want to be one of those teams that, and fans that, you know, that talk about the referees every game. I would like to, think that my team can beat a team so decisively that the referees won't even be affected. Mike says, I think with uh, David uh, being out, there's no interior rush. I expect the Saints to get better uh, with the pass rush once Marcus and David comes back. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, for the, from running, you know what I'm saying, for rushing, they're, they're doing a really good job with those, uh, you know, those backups that they actually have and the rotation that they have. So stopping a run has really been, um, you know, a really good thing for the New Orleans Saints. It's just a pass rush. So I do believe that when David Ayamada comes back, 
I gotta see a, a larger sample size of Davenport, man. I'm sorry, like, like it don't t- it is it, it's gonna take more than one game for me to just say, okay, man, we can count on him because you know just because he had a good training camp and we see him playing against Aaron Rodgers, I mean, bro, I gotta see this. I gotta see this for a large extended time for me to really trust and believe that Marcus Davenport is the answer to all of our questions, right? You know because. I can't I can't look at it that way because he he shows flashes, but he's rarely ever available, right? So I can't say that we can count on him game in, game out until I see a large sample size of what he can actually do. Do I feel like he has the the tools and uh, the skill set and athleticism to be what we want him to be? Absolutely. But I need to see it for an extended amount of time. Now, if we're talking David Ayamada, now you're talking because David Ayamada is available. David Ayamada has consistently shown that he has gotten better year after year, and I can count on him uh, on in the interior in order for him to you know get pressure on the quarterback because I've seen it for an extended amount of time. But it's going to take more than one game, you know what I'm saying, and some flashes for me to just completely believe that Marcus Davenport is just going to, you know what I'm saying, take the NFL by storm. You got to be available, man. You know, you got to be available. You know, if you're not available, it's hard for me to count on you and say, oh, man, you're going to you're going to be the answer to our problems. I don't think you should look at it that way either. Uh, the Saints are really uh, missing Dayan Yamada. He just as formidable in the pass rush, just like the run support. Yeah. You know, but like I said, I think they did, they've done a good job in the interior. I mean, stopping the run, you know. When you have an interior lineman that can stop the run and also get a, a pass rush, I mean, you got yourself a fine. And it's uh you know it's it's hard to find guys that can do both. You you rather got guys that can stop the run, uh, really well like uh, Vita Vea. Or you have a guy that can stop the run and get a pass rush like Aaron Donald can. But TJ, any quarterback, uh, well, most quarterbacks have a ton of success, and you give him all their offensive weapons. Let's not get it twisted. Tom Brady has always had weapons. Uh. I don't want to say he always had weapons. I mean, there's been opportun- there's been guys who I I mean he he's made better. You know what I'm saying? Like I think about Troy Brown back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Nobody was really, you know what I'm saying, like talking about Troy Brown. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody was really talking about uh some of these guys. I'm talking about earlier in his career. Then when you start to see like 07 with Randy Moss and and Gronk and Aaron I mean Aaron Hernandez and stuff like that, you start seeing guys like that. But, I mean, he he has, like, made guys better, and he has, you know what I'm saying, thrown it to some guys that, you know, he – I mean, I can think about, um, you know, that game where the Saints played. Um, I want to say they played New England, and they end up throwing a pass late in the game uh, to end the game, I think, with, like, about five seconds left on the clock. I mean, the, the wide receiver that he threw to, man, Kimbrell Tompkins, I mean, this guy wasn't a <laughs> a household name. But Kimbrell Tompkins ended up getting himself paid, you know what I'm saying, for, from another team. I want to say the Raiders, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, he he's had guys that he's made better, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to sit up here and, and disrespect the dude. I, I just can't do it, man. Like, I, I just can't, you know. I think that I think that, the, that Tom Brady deserves to be talked about. You can't win seven Super Bowls and nobody don't talk about you. I mean, he's won more Super Bowls than anybody uh, any other quarterback in history. So, I mean, he deserves to get talked about. Like I said, the best way for you to shut this dude down, is, you know what I'm saying, is to shut him down. 
Peyton Turner, Grandison, Tano will need to kick uh kick it up a notch. Cam can't do it by itself. Yeah, man. Uh, Carl Grandison. I mean, he had a sack last game. Tano passing yo. I think he's still dealing with an injury, man. He's giving it the old college try, so to speak. So I think that you know, as weeks progress, he probably get a little bit better. But I, I think he came back a little early. He's still dealing with that nagging injury that kept him out. And um, Peyton Turner. I mean, he's young, man. You know, he's still going through the ebb and flows of the, of, of um, professional football, being a professional. You know what I'm saying? So I think that you know Peyton Turner can will get better. Uh, but you know, it, it takes it takes time. It takes time, man. Uh, I'm not worried about the Bucks and nobody else as long as the Saints play their game. Yeah, man. Look, I'm not too much looking at anybody other than the New Orleans Saints as far as you know, man, what they're doing and all that kind of stuff. That I just think that that just gets us all upset, you know, up in arms. You know, like oh man, you know, looking at Tampa because let, let's just be let's just be honest about this. Who that nation? When you watch the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Carolina Panthers, and the Atlanta Falcons, you want them to lose. Right. You're watching not to see them execute well. You're you're hoping that the bottom falls out, calamities happen, you know, so you can get a laugh in or your team can get the competitive advantage or the advantage when it comes to the record. All right. That that's just what it is. Okay. So if you're watching them to lose and you're hoping and you go in with anticipation <laughs> of them losing, and they don't. You become upset and you start getting mad at all the things that you've seen transpire in the game and you get yourself high, right? I mean, sorry, you know what I'm saying? Like they're not going to lose every game. I mean, so I just think that we go into, uh, you know, those games watching and hoping that these guys lose. And when they don't, we just become extremely upset. But the Saints are going to have to focus on the Saints, right? You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's just what it is. They're going to have to focus on themselves. Right. And and if they win enough games, they'll make the playoffs and we'll find out, you know, what this team is actually made of when they have to play those teams. Because if these teams are as good as as advertised and they're shown on television and they have these records, you know, they're going to meet them in a the playoff. So, you know, if the Saints are who we think they are, we can beat them. But I, I can't knock a team for them having success, even though I don't want them to. Like, look at the Dallas Cowboys. I can't stand the Dallas Cowboys, but they win in football games, right? What, what can you do? What can you do besides continue to win, you know, and hope that the Saints win so they can make the playoffs and hopefully they can knock that team off? Me personally, I think that the Saints can beat any team in the NFC. Now, I'm, I'm just being serious. Like, I don't buy into all the rest of that stuff. I think the Saints are just as good as any other team in the NFC. So it don't bother me about the power rankings, not anymore. It don't bother me if the Saints don't win a division, not anymore. The only thing I care about is the Saints having enough wins to make the playoffs because I feel like when you make the playoffs, it's anybody's game. We know that the New Orleans Saints can win on the road. You know what I'm saying? Like, honestly, the issue that the Saints have is playing at home. I mean, I'm just being I'm being serious. I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, the, the the home field advantage from the Superdome, I mean, it's kind of lost its luster. I'm serious, man. It's almost to a point where I'd rather watch the Saints on the road than watch them at home. I don't know what's going on there, but that don't feel advantage, that's one of those things to me, like we talked earlier, about how it just becomes a narrative. Because if you look at the Saints over the last couple of years, uh, in big-time games, they lost at home. So, you know, 
I think the Superdome is kind of losing its mystique for being that loud, ruckus place to a point where uh, offenses of opposite teams can't execute. Yeah, they did, TJ. They had MVP Cam Newton and Matty Ice. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? They, they had Cam Newton and they had Matty Ice. But here, here's, the rea- here's the reality of this, okay? Cam Newton won MVP back in 2015. The following year, 2016, Matt Ryan won. But let's be honest about this. Who has been the most consistent quarterback in the NFC South? It's been Drew Brees. It's been Drew. It's been Drew. You know what you're going to get from Drew every single year. You're going to get consistency. You're going to get the the epitome of consistency. You're going to get the elite of quarterback play. You're going to get a borderline offensive coordinator on the field. And you're going to get a really, really good, you know what I'm saying, opportunity to win every single game that you play. When when it comes to Cam Newton, you know what I'm saying, we know that Cam Newton, you know what I'm saying, like he had an up season, you know what I'm saying, back in 2015. Has it gotten better after that? I'm just being serious. Like, after he won the MVP, it seems like his career kind of went a downward spiral. Uh, Matt Ryan, after they gave up that 28-3 Super Bowl, uh, you know, appearance, they had one playoff appearance, and we haven't seen them in the playoffs since, right? So, I mean, hey, we've seen Drew Brees for two decades, right? You know what I'm saying? Put the Saints, put them in positions to succeed. We've seen Drew Brees consistently be in that conversation one, two, three, respectively for MVP voting, even though he's never won a regular season MVP. We seen uh, Drew Brees win a Super Bowl back in 2009. So if if I'm looking at quarterbacks, not to disrespect any of those guys because they were good, you know what I'm saying, when they, they had their runs, but I'm talking about consistently. I'm talking about consistently had really good runs year after year, you know, and, and you know for a fact that, you have a quarterback that can that can win every game, no matter what the score is. He can bring you back. I mean, that's Drew Brees. And I guarantee you, like, even the most diehard fan of any other team, if you, if you get them on that, on that Jesus juice, I guarantee you they'll tell you they'll want Drew Brees before their quarterback. I, I guarantee you. If you don't, you're insane. Drew Brees is the most was the most is and has been the most consistent quarterback. Has been the most consistent quarterback in uh, you know in the NFC South for the last 15 years. Again, why are you so bothered uh by us if we suck? I'll wait. Oh, I guess you're talking about that Tampa Bay fan that's that's in the chat. Who cares? Uh let's see. I'm worried about the Saints team this year. Sean Payton will all of these wild. Uh, play calling yeah um i'm not too much concerned about it i just think that he needs to get a pulse on uh the floor of the game i just think sometimes sean payton just overthinks himself and he just calls ridiculous plays that's not necessary the dome ain't got the magic no more i agree with that it's it's losing that magic it's losing it road team kind of better yeah that's how i'm looking at it just handle your own business Mocha, thank you very much for the $2. Says Saints will draft uh, uh, Chris Aleve uh, from Ohio State. I, I hope they draft somebody. You know, they need a, a little eye receiver. I think we can reclaim that magic in the dome at home if the team and the crowd is willing. Uh, man, it, I don't know, man. It, it, it just lost its magic. A Buccaneer says time. Uh, you know, 
Bro, I, I put it like this. I, I look at like I said, I, I I respect the fact that you know Tampa is winning, but like I said, I, I just don't understand like how can people just sit up here as Bucks fans and uh, really sit up here like you know what I'm saying like Tom Brady created a legacy with y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like Tom Brady has his credibility with the New England Patriots, and for some apparent reason, y'all y'all think that. You know, it's like a cell phone, like rollover minutes. Like, no, man. And 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 quite honest, and quite honestly, man, like y'all still like one of the worst franchises in football. I mean, it it, it that not gonna change. And y'all really gonna have to focus on you know your your exit strategy when this guy decides to retire, because this guy is carrying y'all. And y'all have a lot of holes, man. Y'all got a lot of holes in y'all team that that when y'all play elite competition will get exposed. Okay. Uh, And also I think that a lot of people aren't paying attention to, and they might have to uh, understand uh, that the Saints won a division last year. They won a division. So when you win a division, you get a first place schedule. Tampa did not win the division last year. So guess what? They don't get a first place schedule, even though they won a Super Bowl. So not only, are y'all playing a much more lax schedule than the Saints? You know what I'm saying? Like, when y'all went up against the elite competition like the Rams, y'all got steamrolled. And y'all almost lost to the New England Patriots. So that's the way I look at it. Y'all got to focus on yourself, man. And Tom Brady's legacy is in New England, not in Tampa. So I think some of y'all need to understand that, you know, those, those Tom Brady Tampa Bay jerseys are no more than two years old. Not even two years old. Yeah, and some change. They just started printing those things last week. So that's all I that's all I gotta say. Uh I'm a buck, I'm a bus fan. I don't know what but text, thank you very much for being a supporter. Hey TJ, I was just thinking people have caught on to the takes uh Taysom Hill uh, experiment. Do you think we uh should kind of take down his salary a little bit so we could incorporate more talent into a locker? Well, Andre, um, look, check this out. Um, that, that's a phantom deal that he has. The majority of Taysom Hill's money is coming this year. I think he's got about 13 or $14 million. After this season, you know what I mean? That's just a phantom deal that he got. So they're going to have to restructure his deal. Uh, as far as the Taysom Hill experiment, I disagree with that. You know, I think that uh, I think that Taysom Hill is still beneficial to the Saints uh, when he when he does run. Uh, you know, he does make a huge uh, impact. Uh, I just think that Sean Payton, that that down the field pass that he tried to do to Deontay Harris, nah, that that that's no bueno. You know what I'm saying? That 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 wasn't cool. Okay. I don't think that you need Taysom Hill trying to throw the ball down the field to try to trick teams. I think that uh I think that Jameis has enough on the arm that you don't even have to do anything like that. But as far as a power or H back, I think he does a really good job with that. And the way the Saints utilize him. You know, in a passing game, for the most part, uh, is a good thing. I just don't feel like he just needs to throw the passes down the field anymore. I think he needs to throw those short intermediate passes, or you know, the option of the RPO. You know, I think that that's that's his lane. I don't think that they need to focus on him throwing the ball down the field because I don't think you need to try to trick a defense. You know, if a team is running a zero coverage and you got Deontay Harris on the outside, you know for a fact that uh, Jameis going to try to throw that ball down the field once. He gets behind that defender. I'm talking to Deontay Harris, and he's going to hit his head on the goalpost. So, yeah. Look like some Bucks fans don't study football or don't have the critical thinking skills to analyze. 
Well, look, I think that the State of the Saints podcast is one of the best Saints podcasts in the world. And I think that a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan being here proves it. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. I mean, I don't think anybody, you know, I don't think anybody, you know, that, that watches uh, the New Orleans Saints that's, you know, a member of the NSU South would actually believe that, you know, any other team is leaps and bounds better than the Saints. I just don't believe that. Uh, you're right, TJ, uh, but it bothers me how they won the Super Bowl in the first year and we've been playoff exit for four years and it makes us look bad. Well, it don't make them look bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, not to me. Yeah, yeah I don't think it may, you know, make the Saints look bad, especially if you look at 2018, man. I mean, Saints should have been in the Super Bowl that year. I mean, that's the way I look at it. Uh, I don't think that it makes them look bad uh, because, you know, they did have certain things that the Saints did not have. You know, they they were able to get, like, all of these different players together. They already had, like, you know, really good wide receivers. You had Antonio Brown, who was arguably the best receiver football for, like, five years straight. You had Leonard Fournette, who was a really good running back, just wasn't motivated in Jacksonville. When Tom Coughlin was the president of the team, they they didn't match together. Uh, people weren't happy with the franchise. They they wanted out. So uh, you have yourself a diamond in a rough with him. You know what I'm saying? When he's motivated, he he's a really good running back. Uh, you got Rob Gronkowski, who was a year removed from football, so he was able to heal himself up. But he's arguably one of the best tight ends to play the game. Uh, you know, you got yourself an offensive line. You fixed the offensive line. Uh, you got good defensive players, linebackers, uh, Levante David and uh, Devin White. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they had, like, the talent that was there. All all they, you know what I'm saying, they, they needed was a few other pieces. And now you have arguably the best quarterback of all time, you know, and Tom Brady to come to your team. So it, it, to me, it don't make them look, you know, don't make the Saints look bad because if you look at the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Saints constructed their team completely different from when Tampa did. Tampa, uh, you know, solicited a lot of help from the outside, mercenaries, if you will. The New Orleans Saints have developed a lot of their players that we look at today as being those cornerstone players. So I look at it, it it's completely different. But the only difference uh, is like, when you got guys designed to your team as free agents, they're already pretty much established. With the New Orleans Saints, you're drafting guys and you're developing those guys, and you don't know how long that development can take. It can take two years. It can take right off the bus, right? So I don't look at it like, you know, it's embarrassing because, I mean, I, I really don't. I mean, every, no, every team can't win. Every team can't win a, a Super Bowl. Only one team can I'm pragmatic but optimistic uh, uh, from our uh, team this year. Being patient here, we're only five games into a 17-game season. Look, I'm I'm very uh, – I'm optimistic, man. I, I just look at them being three and two. And honestly, you can make an argument they should be four and one. <laughs> I mean, they just straight up collapsed against the Giants, right? So um, they should be four and one right now. So if you look at – if you would have – told anybody, oh, Eric McCoy going to be out, Traquan Smith, Michael Thomas, um, you know, like Marcus Davenport, Quan Alexander, Will Lutz, and, you know, like, what do you think their record going to be? Oh, man. Like, I, I put it to you like this. Go play Madden, right? Okay, you know what I'm saying? Based on, you know what I'm saying, because Madden, if you simulate it, basically analytics, right? They they combine, like, your, your players' ratings and they simulate it. So 
remove those players and put them off your depth chart and simulate it and play five games. I guarantee you the Saints probably going to be like one and one and four. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that just how it goes. Like, it, the fact that this team is three and two and sitting a game above 500 going into the bye week is a testament to how good this football team is. Like, I guarantee you, if you were to do this with some of these other teams in the NFC South, it, it wouldn't, they, they wouldn't have this record. They, they just wouldn't. Or some of these other teams in NFL in general, you know? Like, you take some of their core players out, they're not going to be successful. So that shows you how good this football team actually is. Alfred says, I'm not going to lie, TJ. Bucks winning the Super Bowl did make us look bad because we had the most team chemistry and was on top of the NFC for a couple of years. And for them to win first year is embarrassing. Well, I don't think that, you know, well, I, I look at it this way. Um, what am I, am I mad about that? Yeah. You know, in a way, you know what I'm saying? Like I am mad about it. Uh, but what, what can you really do? I don't think it, it, it embarrasses us because look, I put it like this. If any other quarterback other than Tom Brady wouldn't have done this, I, I probably would have felt embarrassed. Like if, uh, let's just say, for example, if Tampa would have got Matthew Stafford, then I probably would have felt a little bit more embarrassed, but this is Tom Brady that we're talking about here. It's like if Peyton Manning came into the division or something. Like these, this is a well-established quarterback with unlimited skins on the wall. You know, like this guy came to this team with six Super Bowl championships. Six. You know what I'm saying? Like it's hard. It, it's like, I don't know. Okay, it's like, um, I don't know. If you're playing basketball, right, let's just say if the Pelicans was winning, you know what I'm saying, they was winning their they conference you know what I'm saying? A winning their division every single year. They was, you know what I'm saying, like Western Conference champions or something like that. And then all of a sudden, you know, Michael Jordan come back, whoever, and he in his prime. You like, come on, man. Like Michael Jordan uh won six championships. So I mean, it's hard for me to sit up here and just be like, oh, I I can't understand why. Like, this is Tom Brady we talking about here. Like, you think that. The AFC West, right? The Denver Broncos were looking and trying to find quarterbacks that could replace John Elway for years. Then all of a sudden, Indianapolis gets rid of Peyton Manning. In comes Andrew Luck. Denver comes in, you know what I'm saying? And now all of a sudden, they win, they go into the Super Bowl two out of three years. Like, come on, man. Like, let's just be real about this. Let's just let's be serious. There's some, some quarterbacks that help you in some situations be like, man, you know what? I understand. I understand. So, you know, let's be honest. If Jared Cook didn't have that critical turnover and Breeze arm was strong, Tampa wouldn't have made it to the Super Bowl. Well, you know, I mean, there was a couple of breaks that went their way, but defensively they played really well. Uh, I, I think that I think that the that Taysom Hill didn't play in that game. Um, I think that uh, Michael Thomas being nothing more than a, a decoy in that game and uh, also just Drew Brees, you know, still was dealing with that injury. I think it kind of played, you know, it was beneficial. So you have a quarterback with limited arm strength and dealing with rib injuries. And I don't care what anybody says. I mean, he wasn't fully 100%. You know what I'm saying? You don't heal up that quick from no, well, yeah, 11 crack ribs. Like, nah, man, no, sir. Okay. So, I mean, look, sometimes you need breaks to go your way. 
you know, and they, they caught a break. Sometimes you got to catch a team at the right time. And it also didn't, didn't help the New Orleans Saints that they played them three times. You know, it's hard to beat a team three times. You know, I, you know, like, you know, they say that, you know, but if you're a really good franchise, you know what I'm saying? I, look, I can understand, like, you're the Jets, okay? You play the Jets three times, you're probably going to beat them. They're not very good. Uh, but if if you have yourself a good team and you play them three times, it might be kind of hard to beat them. And they and they caught the Saints at the right time. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be mad at that. Uh, truth be told, the Bucks wasn't uh, Tom's first choice. New Orleans was. Yeah, it was. You know, it was based on if uh, Drew Brees would have retired and Drew Brees decided to come back. Um. So I, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Uh, just think if uh, Drew and Sean would have been in AFC, Lee's going up against the Dolphins, Bills, and Jets every year. Uh, you don't think they'll have multiple Lombardi? Brady had it easy. Uh, in a division, yeah. But when you go to the playoffs, I mean, it's a whole different beast. You're not playing the Jets. You're not playing the Dolphins. Uh, you're not playing the Bills. So they had to play, you know, the Steelers. They had to play the Ravens. They had to play the Colts. Right. You know what I'm saying? Peyton Manning and coach, that, that was not an easy out. So, yeah, it helped them make the playoffs, uh, but it didn't help them win the Super Bowl because, you know, no matter who you playing, I mean, the playoff, the playoffs expose you for who you actually really are. Are you that team or, or are you not? So uh, I feel like if we would have fixed the defense sooner uh, while Drew was in his prime, uh, we would have at least two more rings. Uh, by that time, our defense was good. Breeze was on the way out. I agree with that, Clay. Uh, I think that uh, Sean Payton, um, sometimes uh, his, his loyalty is kind of his Achilles heel. And I just feel like some of those coaches and those front office guys should have been gone. They should have been had those conversations. I feel maybe we would have a different conversation. But they started to kind of fix the team after 16 uh, 2016, and that's when you start to see that. But at that time, Drew Brees was at the twilight of his career, and he was kind of, you know, you know, thinking about, you know, retiring. So I just think that, you know, it was a little bit too little too late. Man, this team is the definition of leaving more to be desired. <laughs> and that's the thing. You know, if you leave a more, if you leave more to be desired, this shows you, you know, I mean, there's only one way to go, and that's up. So. Speak on Wilder and Fury. Um, I thought it was, honestly, I think that was one of the best fights I've seen in a very long time. Definitely a fight of the year. Um, Tyson Fury uh, is a very good fighter. You know, like he's really good. Like he's the best heavyweight in the world. And I say this, like I say this with so much uh, energy and, you know what I'm saying, And, and, and so much truth in my heart. If they fight 10 times, Tyson Fury would beat Deontay Wilder 10 times. Uh, I'm just being serious. Deontay Wilder uh, is a tough guy. He has a lot of heart. He has a strong right hand, but that's about it. He's not technically sound. Uh, I just feel like he's kind of stubborn. I think that he's one of those individuals who, you know, start to believe his own hype when he realized that he can just knock people out and he didn't care about, uh, you know, points and all that kind of stuff and going to the scorecard. I think he just kind of stopped caring about being technically sound. And when you become like in your 30s and you had like that one thing that's been working for you for years, it's hard for anybody to tell you anything. So I just think that it kind of caught up with him. I think that if Deontay Wilder would have took his boxing career a little bit more serious, 
and started to work on the little things, he probably will arguably be one of the best heavyweights in the world. But Tyson Fury is just much better than he is. I mean, it's just as simple as that. You know, it's people, you know, online try to make this a black-white thing, and it's not. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's 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 a, a really good sound boxer versus a brawler, okay? And sometimes, you know, it's okay to brawl. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got some great uh, brawlers out there. And I think if you ever uh, seen this fight, uh, Mickey Ward versus Antonio Gotti, right? That was a brawl right there. You know what I'm saying? Two guys that, you know what I'm saying, that really just had a lot of heart. And that was a brawl. You think about a couple of years back, a guy named Rusov Ravodnikov. You know what I'm saying? He was a brawler. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, he he was a – that was a phone boot fighter. Uh, but every now and then, like, you got to – like, you're going to have to get in brawls. But for the most part, you're going to have to be technically sound. And um, Wilder is not technically sound, and it caught up with him. Um, Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight in the world, and I don't think anybody's going to beat that dude. Just Just as simple as that. I mean, he, I mean, Deontay Wilder is tough. He got a lot of heart, but <laughs> he's not better than Tyson Fury. It's just what it is. Okay, I'm done addressing that subject. Has anybody seen any footage of Mike T practicing? Uh, nah, you're probably not going to see it, Pammy. Um, you're not, you're not going to see it because, um, you know, they're on, on a bye week. So when they come back, hopefully you, you'll probably see them at practice. Tyson Fury, a.k.a. The Undertaker. Yeah, I mean, dude got a lot of heart. Not only is he good, but he has a lot of heart, man. Like, a lot of heart. And when you have a boxer that technically sounds with heart, it's very hard to find. You'll probably find a a boxer with a lot of heart, probably wouldn't be technically sound, like Wilder. And then you have a – but you rarely ever find a fighter that's technically sound and got heart. Well, uh, Wilder has no endurance. He's a puncher, not a fighter. Yeah, you know, Deontay Wilder, to me, he made a big mistake by going up to 238 pounds. So I think that kind of hurt him, uh, especially like since he didn't really take cardio seriously. I'm, 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 I'm doing this based on I'm, I'm saying this based on like the article that I read from his uh, former trainer that he fired because the guy threw in a towel, which didn't make any sense. You know, that's the kind of guy I would want to have in my corner. You know, somebody that looked out for my best interest, but I digress. But he talked about like how he, you know, if he didn't feel like doing something that day, you know, you shouldn't ask him twice about doing it. Uh, you know, when if he didn't feel like it was necessary, he didn't do it. So he didn't really focus on the little things. And that was uh that was the thing that hurt him. So, I mean, you you gotta be able to listen, you know, and I, I just think that, you know, he just started believing his own hype. I'm serious, man. You go from cooking in a kitchen at KFC in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, uh, to being, you know, making millions of dollars for fight. And then, you know what I'm saying, you knocking guys out and you reading all these things about yourself and people talking about you got a hammer as a right hand. And all of a sudden you just find yourself like believing everything, you know, you get a bunch of yes men in your corner because they won't ride your wave. And, you know, you start believing ain't nothing wrong with you. I feel like this, when people start telling you how good you are, that's when you really start to have to really check yourself. You know, like you got to really uh, leave your your ego at the door. OK, and I just feel like he 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 struggled with that. I mean, even like, you know, the second fight when he absolutely got destroyed, start talking about the 40 pound like uh, outfit he had on going into the fight. And, 
talking about uh, wild, I mean, furious hands and all that kind of stuff. That, that's a loser talk right there, man. TJ, what was the Saints record last year in week five? I want to say three and two. Uh, let me see. Drew was nine touchdowns, three on that season at that point. And here's Jameis, 13 and three. And Saints fans are melting down. Am I missing something? No, um, I don't think you're missing anything at all. No, I think that the Saints were at the same spot they was at last year. I think that Jameis, uh, all things considered, him not even really understanding that playbook as much. You know, I think that uh, I think that it's a good thing. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and go, y'all. I, I got a uh, I got a meeting I got to get to. But thank you all so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com, search the State of the Saints podcast, facebook.com, search the State of the Saints podcast, previous episodes available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Anchor FM. Hope everybody has a good Friday uh, or any day you're checking out this podcast. Hope you have a great day. Enjoy the weekend. And like always, all I got to say is, who that?